What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you got you? As we wrap up 2020, I wanted to thank everyone for making this the best year yet for the What Got You There podcast. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. What we're going to do is we're going to unpack the top 10 takeaways from 2020. So you'll hear the snippets from each episode, and then we'll dive into each one a little bit more. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much for making this the best year yet. Very much looking forward to 2021. And here we are. The number one takeaway from 2020 comes from episode 209 with Yen Liao. If you have not listened to this complete episode, I highly recommend you guys go back and check it out. It was an absolute masterclass in overall success in life. And what he uncovers here is the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And he really dives into introspection and how important it is. And when, when you're discovering who you are and what makes you tick, there are no shortcuts in all this. He mentions how insights are pointless without disciplined execution. We're all constantly evolving throughout life and stress and mistakes, those are the greatest teachers. It's not gonna be easy, we're all evolving, it's a never ending journey. But we need to ask ourselves these tough questions and really uncover who we are. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And I firmly believe it, right? The truth will set you free uh, if you can face it. And it takes a lot of work in introspection to find what those truths are. Um, and you know who you are is one of the eternal questions, but how do you find out is one of the hardest questions you can ever do. It's like one of those things. It's like what are the tools, right? Um, and you know, there's some simple answers here, but it's frankly there's no shortcuts to this. And uh, you know, and frankly, um, I think this again. I'll, I'll come deeper into this, but insights aren't very useful in changing lives if they don't if they're not coupled with disciplined execution. And it's the boring stuff that actually makes the difference. The insights are profound. People do change, but they don't change profoundly until they execute them all the time. And so for me, the, the, the truths internally, you know, introspection, it has to become a core part of what you do, right? Because it's, it's understanding how you operate and not questioning it, not necessarily judging it, even respecting your own psychology of it. Why are you reacting in a certain way? Now, the hard part of this is also you're evolving, right? I'm not the same guy I was even yesterday. And so just teasing it apart and not trying to judge it, but just trying to find fact patterns. Why is it that you're quiet here? Why is it that you're strong here? Why is it that you go to that person and not that person? Why is it that it's, you know, that team, that business, that industry, whatever, that you behave when certain stress cycles, so stress cycles is a wonderful way of discovering who you are. And, you know, mistakes are the greatest teachers of who you are because the tells is where everything is revealed. And this is the way that we operate our business. You observe everything about a person, a business under stress. You can observe nothing when things are going well. In fact, everybody, it lifts all boats. But when they go through stress points, you understand how they make decisions. You understand how the organization works. You understand that, you know, can they make tough decisions or, or not? Um, there's so many things that get revealed by these truths. And so for me, you know, in, in, in teasing apart the truths. And there are lots of times when you're going to be incredibly disappointed about what you find about yourself, right? And then you are faced with the decision of what are you going to do about it? Because that's the key question. Life's going to ask really, really tough questions. And, how, and I think your life will be defined. I think my life will be defined. This is, again, it's just my humble view 
by the, the way that I answer those questions. And there've been many that have been brutal, right? But quite candidly, it's a lot more fun after the fact, um, but you don't wish those on anyone, but candidly, that's the only way they discover who they are, what they're made of. And you have to live enough life, experience enough things in order to get enough data points to look for directionality. And then you have to decide, is that who I still am or who I wanna become? Is that an area of weakness that I don't wanna strengthen? Is that an area of strength that I can make even stronger? And that requires, you know, it requires a tremendous amount of introspection, go full tilt and finding out as much as you can, surrender and accept who you are and then evolve, right? Who you were yesterday is not who you're gonna be in a year. And you just have to be all of our, um, the only thing in our control is how we spend and marshal our resources and time. And that introspective process to the game within the game is once you understand who you are, by the way, and you will never actually get there. It's asymptotic, right? Because it's a moving target too. And that's the beauty of it, right? You, it, why would you want it to be fixed? Uh, in Carol Dweck's book on mindset, this is so beautiful, but it's like, you know, continue to evolve and, and, and migrate that. But it, it's, it requires a team. It requires tremendous introspection. It requires vulnerability to expose yourself to truths and then enough truth tellers to actually tell you what they're seeing and your ex ability to accept and then adapt from it. Takeaway number two comes from episode number 187 with Dr. Michael Gervais. And his big thing is if purpose is bigger than pain, then purpose wins. And when you want to accomplish something difficult, something big in your life, that's that's your purpose. That's what you're going after. And you're going to face obstacles. You're going to face a lot of difficult things, a lot of huge obstacles. But if that purpose is bigger than that pain, then purpose is going to win out. This is this is such a great mental model when when you guys are trying to take on big things in our life, which is what we all are trying to do. So this comes from episode number 187 with Dr. Michael Gervais. You know what? I got people counting on me. Yes, I wanted to experience this place and um, my wife and family were on the beach and the whole thing, right? And so as I'm kind of pulling through this place and I realize that pain is real, but purpose if, if purpose is bigger than pain, then purpose wins. If pain is bigger than purpose, pain wins. So we need to be able to like be really clear about our purpose. And when it's bigger than you, it matters to you and it's future oriented. Now we are, and that's just good science. I didn't make that up. That's um, research based. But when those three elements are clear, oh, we can do so much more. Takeaway number three from episode 212 with Blas Morose. And this is such an amazing one. And it comes from his mom, actually. And one of his mom's things is you need to fill up your cup before filling up others. And if you guys take the visual here of when a glass is filled and it's overflowing, it's brimming, the same thing with who we are as people. When you have self-love, you have self-compassion, you have more of that to give to others. And when people's cups are only half full, they, they usually have that scarcity mentality. They're trying to hoard things. They're trying to hold on to things. But people whose cups are filled, they're playing that infinite game. They're trying to do more. They're trying to help more. And this is just such a profound way to think and way to go about life. So this comes from episode 212 with Blas Morose. I would love for you to hit on this because I think when other people hear this, it's just, oh, so simple, but this could really change your life. I'd love for you to hear or describe Karen filling up other people's cups first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny when I asked my mom about this, she hardly remembers ever saying it, but it was one of those things that's just stayed with me forever. 
And again, like you said, it's a really simple idea, but her whole thing is you need to fill your cup before you can possibly fill others' cups. And what she means by that is you need to have self-love, self-compassion um, in order to be able to give any of that away to other people. And I think, at least for me, when I had this idea or mental model or this framework, call, out, call it whatever you want, it was pretty easy to see other people whose cups weren't full, right? They had this uh, scarcity mentality where they were hoarding things all the time, whether it was love or attention or compliments or uh, knowledge or whatever it is, right? They, their cup was half full, so they, they had this scarcity mentality. But these people with a full cup, there's, they're playing a, an infinite game. They have a, um, you know, a, a non-zero-sum mentality, meaning that just because I have an idea, if I share it with you, doesn't take away from what I have. In fact, it increases it. And again, such a simple idea. But for myself, I think it changed, helped me think about these things that I do for me that help me th become a better person, or at least what I think is a better person. I thought of that as <clears throat> selfish in a lot of ways at first, taking all this time just for me to improve myself, to, to dive deep into me. But this changed the frame a little bit where what I was doing for me actually would end up helping others. And that's why I, I think Mr. Moner and a lot of people saying that education is actually a, a moral act. And I think it ties together with what my mom was saying with her full cup is we need to improve ourselves. We need to fill our own cups before we could possibly fill others. So simple anecdote, uh, but it, it's resonated a lot with me. And um, it seems like it's hit home with you too a little bit. And uh, that makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a beautiful visual. You can think about your cup being overflowing and can just fill so many others. And believe me, you're filling others' cups. You, you've been so kind with your time. Uh, when I'm trying to tease out an idea or something, jumping on the, on the phone and, and talking things through, and then just the amount that you've put out there in the world. Takeaway number four comes from episode number 175 with Kamal Ravikant. This is a short one, but I think one of the most powerful ones there is. And that's, you need to have the mindset that every problem is solvable. And, and when you have that mindset, when you have that belief, you begin to figure out solutions to things you originally might have thought impossible. It, it takes trial, it takes error, but at the end, you end up figuring things out. So this mindset, this belief, uh, I was fortunate to have this instilled in me early, and this is one I really resonate with and love. So this comes from episode number 175 with Kamal Ravikant. I have a mindset that every problem is solvable. Um, I don't know where that came from, but it's a mindset. And it's nothing that I, I nothing that one needs to unlearn or learn. Just 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 decide that everything is solvable. If you realize everything is solvable, then you when you go at it, you will figure out the solution. Um, so I just look at like, okay, how do I solve this? How do I solve this? How do I solve this? And then I just go at it. And eventually you 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 know, you trial and error and you figure it out. I think that 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 belief that everything is solvable is responsible for that, honestly. Takeaway number five comes from one of my favorite episodes of all time. That's number 176 with Keith Raboy. Uh, Keith is, is one of those legendary early members of what's known as the PayPal Mafia. Uh, he, he's just had tremendous success. And what Keith dives into here is about developing the talent and creating a great culture within your company. And, and some of the big things Keith hits on here is don't constrain your people. You need to let them thrive. You need to allow them to make mistakes, to push themselves, to get close to their edges of failure. And another thing he hits on here, which I love, is don't make a mirror of yourself. Oftentimes, we, we try to tell people and direct people to do things a certain way. Well, that's the way we would have done it. Well, what about tapping into, into their talent and their innate skills and, and letting them make some mistakes, but also develop things in ways you never would have thought of? 
So th this entire clip is just an amazing, it's a masterclass in terms of developing people. And this was from episode number 176 with Keith Raboy. If you're going to attract people with extremely high potential, the first thing you have to do is let them thrive, which is giving them degrees of freedom to do both what they can do very well and to, to some extent concomitantly allow them to make mistakes. If you try to constrain very talented people, you're only going to create a, a mirror of yourself with your same strengths and same weaknesses. So you have to let people do stuff that you disagree with or because you can't really tell how good they are if they're just replicating what you would have them do. So that's the first thing. Second thing is you need to let them, you need to give them enough for, it's basically giving them enough rope that they can prove what they're awesome at and get close enough to failing that they, they feel the consequences, but with enough of a, a sort of a safety valve that if there's catastrophic potential, especially for a company, an operating company, that you have enough time and um, attention to inter intercept that. So that, that alone is a, you know, a major challenge. Second, um, I think you need a process for where nobody's perfect, where whoever the, whoever the set of people are, can learn. And that can be through osmosis or it can be through top-down instruction. But you basically want to be able to mentor people. Um, and there's different ways to do that. But you want people to increase the, their proficiency, improve their craft. And you want to create a process and culture where that's possible and courage. Um, so for example, one of the most important lessons I learned when I was a law clerk, so right out of law school, um, when I was like 25 years old, was uh, the judge I clerked for sat us all down and she basically explained that my job and our job, so I had two co-clerks, co was to not allow her to make a mistake. And that is something I, that lesson is something I demand and instruct all the people who come to work for me is your number one job is don't let me allow, don't ever let me make a mistake. And I don't care what you have to do to stop me from making a mistake. And so versus you'll meet a lot of people in life that, you know, will complain and whine you know, oh, my boss did this or he decided that or he ignored me. And I sort of transform that and invert that and say, no, it's always your obligation to convince whoever you report to that they're wrong. And, you know, most of the talented people that I've ever worked with take this instruction very seriously um, and are very good at pointing out to me when I'm about to make a mistake. Takeaway number six comes from episode number 213 with Robert Rosenberg. And he's the former CEO of Dunkin' Donuts, and he's the one who built Dunkin' to what it is today. And his big takeaway is about really knowing your strengths and weaknesses, and then that strength is built on top of strengths. And for your weaknesses, you need to rely on teammates. They're, they're the ones who are going to fill in those gaps for you and, and build up those weaknesses. And a lot of this comes down to emotional intelligence. Uh, and emotional intelligence is so much more important than just having raw brain power. So this is some really interesting takeaways from Robert. I know he dives into a few other things here, but this was a clip I absolutely loved from episode number 213. Define the assignment very carefully. Match the person to the assignment. And the better you define the assignment, the better off you are. So if it's a marketing assignment, if you're a startup company, you have to understand where you are, be very realistic about, you know, define reality well in terms of what it is that you really need done and define that clearly and try to match the, the, the person to that, that need. 
The second piece of advice I get comes actually from um, um, a, a, an, another uh, a company I had worked with, a consulting firm, and they tend to, to believe that it's very hard to remediate weaknesses, that you're far better off building on someone's strengths. And if you have a team, try to ensure that you have complementarity of skills within that team. And that for everybody to understand that and to respect it and to celebrate the complementarity rather than to pick on it and to try to really move to someone to remediate someone's weaknesses. There are occasions when someone is dishonest, disloyal, doesn't work hard, you know, gives up, cheats that have to be removed. But my experience was our team was together for a very long time. The top 15 or 20 people were together almost 20 years building the business. And in our case, it was a tremendous strength. And then that allowed us to move from strength to strength as a result of that. But those would be the two sort of benchmarks that I, that I, would, I would use. One is define the assignment very carefully and meet the assignment. And as the assignment changes, also change the person who has to fulfill the assignment. You can move people off laterally into other jobs. And second is the complementarity of skills as part of a team. How does that second one work out for a leader? You're responsible for so much. Robert, did you really focus on your strengths or did you also go after your weaknesses? Basically relied upon teammates for the things that, that I, I think it's important. The book Emotional Intelligence was written late in my career. So I didn't have the benefit of the language that this guy Goldman has developed. But, but clearly a critical element of any anybody, it's not just a leader, anybody in life is really to know your strengths and weaknesses, to understand yourself, and then try to understand others. And he would maintain that that's more important than just raw brain power. You know, genius, there are a lot of geniuses that haven't done well in, in life where people of average intelligence have done extraordinarily well because they possess something he calls emotional intelligence. And at the core of emotional intelligence is fundamentally to know yourself and to be able to identify others, others' talents and skills on other people. And somehow that, that, that was something that I got better at as time went by. I understood that it was not important for me to be good at everything, uh, but to have people around that were better, smarter, knew more about different things than I did. And my job was really to create an environment where great people could really perform. And that's what we try to do. We try to have fair, uh, fair pay practices, share credit, and share equity uh, and, and build a team. And, and uh, I found that for us, that worked extraordinarily well. We had a phenomenal record. Takeaway number seven comes from episode 201 with Dave Cote. And Dave's the former CEO of industrial giant Honeywell. And he breaks down how to handle uncertainty when leading a large organization. And he says three keys to leadership are being able to mobilize a large group of people and then that requires good judgment. You need the ability to pick the right direction. Where are these people going to go? What's the vision of the organization? How are we going to get there? And then the final component of that is you need to get everyone moving in sync, right? Everyone moving step by step in that direction. Uh, the, this is such a profound takeaway for not only leaders of large organizations, but also small ones. That comes from episode number 201. What is it about you that during those times you can get those around you to then lead through and come out better at the other side? Huh. Well, um, 
I guess I'm kind of uh, bragging a bit now, but I, I do think my judgment is pretty good. And I've often said there were three essential principles for leadership. The first is the ability to mobilize a large group of people. And it's the most visible. Uh, it's the one that people like to relate to. They like a great speech, et cetera. But I also say that's only about 5% of the job. And if you can give a great speech and motivate people, it doesn't mean you're a great leader. It means you're a great orator. There's a big difference between those two. So there's a number of ways to mobilize uh, a group of people. The second big one, though, uh, and where I think uh, makes a difference is you got to have good judgment. You got to be able to pick the right direction. If you mobilize everybody and then you spend 40 years wandering in the desert, you're not a great leader. You're, uh, you've got them working down the wrong path. And that's a significant problem for an organization. And I think that's one of the areas that I do relatively well in. Then the third principle I say leadership is, okay, you've mobilized them, you've picked the right direction. Now, can you get them all moving step by step in that direction? And that's also difficult because there's a tendency for leaders to think, well, you know, I hire good people and delegate. Well, that kind of ignores how large organizations actually work. Because you run into a, this big difference between compliance with words and compliance with intent. There's a big difference between those two. And organizations become very adept at kind of showing compliance. Yeah, we're doing it. But they aren't really doing it. And that's why I spent five, 600 hours a year on planes, just traveling around the world, visiting customers, employees, plants, et cetera just to kind of find out, are we moving in that direction? So I think I had that kind of capability recognized in the staff that was around me when we went into 2008. And when it came to making decisions, they knew that on all big stuff, I would really do a lot to try to get all the facts and opinions out on the table to make sure that we really understood the problem we were dealing with. And were we making the right decision? Because I was always much more focused on, am I making a good decision than I was with, okay, was I right? And the way I would describe it is, at every meeting, I wanted to be right at the end of the meeting, not at the beginning of the meeting. Hmm. And there's a big difference there in terms of how you run your discussions to make sure you're getting all the facts and opinions that people don't know exactly where you're coming from, from the beginning so that you really do engage everybody and say, get the full color of whatever it is that you're dealing with. And the way I like to describe it is you're trying to build a mosaic. It's not as pretty as a painting. It's more like you're trying to fit in all these pieces to figure out, okay, what's the right decision here? And I think I had a, I built up some credibility with them by then that um, I would do that. And we did, and as you know, we came out of the, the the recession just gangbusters. Takeaway number eight comes from episode 210 with one of my favorite writers, Morgan Housel. And Morgan tells the story of Grace Goner, who 
basically didn't have very much of an education, never seemed to be wealthy throughout her life, uh, didn't make very much money. But when she died, she died with $7 million in her account. And the reason this was is because it's not about how smart you are in investing. It's how you behave. And I actually think there's a lot of things in life where it's about how you behave and, and not only necessarily your smarts. So this is a great story, a great takeaway from episode number 210 with Morgan Housel. Grace Groner was um, uh, a, a woman who was born on a farm outside of Chicago in 1910, and she had a really difficult life. She was orphaned as a child. She never married. She never had kids. She lived alone in a one-room shack her entire life. She worked as a secretary for all of her entire career. She was, like, by all accounts, people who know her, she was a lovely lady, but she just had this very understated, simple, basic, kind of sad, lonely life. And when she died, she died in 2010, she was hundred years old. And when she died, everyone who knew her was shocked to learn that she left $7 million to charity. And people said like, how did this widowed, uh, you know, unmarried secretary who just lived in a shack by herself, where did she get $7 million? And when they dug through her papers, they realized that all she did was she took what little savings she had from her career as a secretary. She invested it in stocks and she left it alone for 70 years. And that, that was it. There was no other... There's nothing more complicated than it than that. That was that was it. And you know what the skill that she had was patience. That was all she had. She didn't work at Goldman Sachs. She didn't go to Harvard Business School. She wasn't following the CAPE ratio, like none of that. She all she had was patience. And that was all that mattered. You don't need anything else. You don't need any of the fancy stuff if you have that level of patience to where you can be frugal and, and invest consistently for 70 years. If you have that, nothing else is going to move the needle. Yes. So, so that's I, I opened the book with that story because it's like, I also point out that there's no other industry where that's the case, where someone with no education, no background can vastly, can do so well, while people who have the best educations, the best backgrounds can go bankrupt. Like as Grace Groner was be becoming, you know, almost a decamillionaire, long-term capital management went bankrupt during a bull market. Like there's no other industry where those things are even possible. And I think the reason that it's possible is because what matters in investing, what actually moves the needle is not how smart you are. It's, it's how you behave. It's whether you have the patience and the ability to manage greed and fear. Takeaway number nine is from episode 220 with Robert Green. This was Robert's second appearance on the podcast. Both were absolute masterclasses. But what Robert talks about here is empathy. And when we go inside the mind of others and understand what they're going through, the whole world opens up for us. We, we understand more about ourselves. We can help those other people. Empathy is such an often overused word, but one that just really has profound impacts on both our lives and those around us. So being more empathetic is something we can all do, which is why I loved this takeaway from Robert. If you transform yourself into someone who is able to get inside the minds of others and, and understand what they're going through, their emotions, their predicaments, their problems, the whole world will open up for you. Everything will happen because you'll be able to persuade them. You'll be able to have influence over them. You'll, it'll open up all these doors for them. So you'll, you'll be able to understand what they are like from the inside out. Now, you can't, I can't read your mind. That's not possible. But I can read your moods, your emotions, your, your tone, and things like that. And I can get a sense of what's bothering you, what you, what you like, what, you, what your values are. And from that position... I can go in and I can do something where 
I'm appealing to your self-interest and then you're going to do something back for me. Okay, I'm a writer and I have to think about my readers. Getting inside how they're going to read this particular page means I'm now thinking deeply of you and I'm going to write something that's going to connect to you. Takeaway number 10 is from episode 219 with Ed Sin. And Ed on this talks about courage and conviction. And I don't think we can achieve anything in life that's, that's of substance without courage and conviction, right? We, we have to have that courage to take on those big challenges, those big tasks. And then we have to have the conviction that we can do it, that mindset, we're capable of anything. So this is a takeaway I absolutely love from Ed Sim. That's courage and conviction. Like, unlike any you could ever imagine, and then I think just just from that, I just like, look, I can't be afraid. Like I have to take risks. Like I can't, you know, I can't just sit here and, and not take risks, right? And and so that that was the thing for me. It was just I feel really fortunate to to actually have had that, have them instill that uh, in us, and and the confidence. Really, they're like, look, if you get a good education, you can do anything you want, and if you are driven, and if you actually kind of work hard, like good things can happen. That's why we're in America, and that's kind of what I see in founders. Surprise, we're actually going to have 11 takeaways. I thought there were so many unbelievable takeaways from the the guests on the show this year, so I wanted to throw in one extra. And the first one is going to be from episode number 215 with Annie Duke. And Annie Duke talks about the cracks in the foundation of our knowledge and how when we're more open-minded, more willing to accept others' views and taking in interesting information, it helps fill those cracks and helps expand our overall knowledge. What I'm trying, I mean, what I'm really trying to communicate through this book is that you have, unlike luck, you have some control over what you know and what the quality of your information is. And if you can think about, there's this whole universe of stuff that I don't know. If I could actually be peering into that universe, like taking, looking into it and, and then walking through it in, in in a more random way, such that I was colliding with all sorts of new information such that I was colliding with information that actually corrected the inaccuracies and the things that I believe. And I was approaching that information in an open-minded way. This would go a long way to really helping the foundation of every decision that you make, which is ultimately informed by the things that you know. Because if we think about that foundation that's at the base of all of our decision, there, there there's kind of like, there's two problems with it. We have two issues. The first is that there are cracks in the foundation and that's that we believe things that aren't 100% true. They're probably not 100% false either. They're somewhere in the middle, but those, those are cracks, right? Our foundation is cracked because we have inaccuracies in the things that we believe. And then the second problem is that the foundation is flimsy. It's not broad enough because there's so much that we don't know in comparison to the things that we do. And the solution to both of those things, repairing the cracks in your foundation and also broadening your knowledge is to get a really good look into that universe of stuff that we don't know. And so that we can find all that information that's gonna help this foundational problem. And the problem is that we don't do that. We're, we're pretty bad at that piece. And so what I hope this book is, is really an argument for not just philosophically why you should be really trying to be eagerly in increasing your knowledge in the most open-minded way possible, but also how you might do that. And here we are. That's a wrap on 2020. Those were our top 11 takeaways from the past year. 
Thanks to all the guests, all the listeners. You guys are incredible. You make all of this possible. I'm very excited for what we have in store in 2021. Wishing you and your loved ones the very best.